Neil has brought a bit of bounce back to the Baggies. Can that continue? Well, we certainly hope so. Welcome to the Baggies broadcast. Um, they've certainly, well, Beal certainly put a bounce in my step turning up at the Hawthorns tonight. And I'm sure Lewis Cox is as well. Lewis, we're recording from the, the press box at the Hawthorns this evening. How are you doing? I was, I was reading, first of all. I heard it was packet sandwiches, so I didn't miss out much. Mm, yeah, I think it could have been yourself, Johnny, or perhaps another press colleague who'd bigged it up rather, rather bigger than... Oh, no, sandwiches. it was bad last year. <laughs> no, but no. We had a bad trip last year. Massey smashed up his laptop as well. Oh, yes, I did hear about that. It was, awful. That. Yeah, it was yeah. awful. They did let me park, which you would expect, given the ample amount of roof yeah. outside the Majestic. On the, uh, on the, <laughs> not, not short of... On uh, the retail park, yeah, there, yeah. Um, but, yeah, chicken and bacon, I think I went for. I did get there early, so that was good, but... Uh, yeah, a lot easier to get there than it was to get to the Hawthorns tonight, but uh, that's standard Hawthorns midweek. It is, it is standard. We're, just to fill you in, we're recording from the Hawthorns tonight prior to Bristol, so we won't be obviously talking about the Bristol City game, but we thought it was, we needed to bring you a sort of a timely podcast this week with a managerial search. And well, we're so confident that Albion are going to win tonight. Well, we are, yeah. We, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't even need to talk to, about it. To watch although, the 90 minutes. although, if they lose, I, thought, I think Albion fans will be coming over to the Mid Wales border or the North Wales border <laughs> and knocking my door down. Um, but yeah, as we said, we'll be talking tonight not about specifically a lot about what's going on the pitch, but a lot off the pitch. We'll touch briefly on Reading, we'll look at the managerial search, discuss a few of the off field issues that have surfaced over recent days, and we'll obviously be taking a few of your questions you've got in touch. So, Lewis, quick look at Reading. We did speak, I was in the, my office or spare room at home, you were in just about to go and get a, uh, oh, yes. a Burger King, which I'm guessing was pretty good. <laughs> Um, no, I was going to say the highlight of the day, but that's disrespectful to... Uh, disrespectful to Taylor gardner there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, but just a bit, a little bit, bit of a look at Redham. We'll start with TGH. Um, we saw him, we've only seen him a couple of times in midfield. Once he was man of the match on Sky against Coventry last year. Um, I think he was on, live on Sky. Um, hasn't really played there, but, you know, a man in Richard Beale who knows all about him. Um, I think James Morrison had a bit of a say in the decision as well, but... He's uh, it's been vindicated really, and almost frustrated that he hasn't been moved in there for yeah. earlier in the season almost. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't... Steve Bruce be watching that and thinking, well, <laughs> "What was I doing?" Well, that's what the Albion fans asked from the yeah. away end, wasn't it? Are you watching Stevie Bruce? I, Beale uh, obviously only joined Albion summer 2021, so I didn't have a massive part in Gardner Hickman's rise through those age groups, but obviously we'll know him very well. Um, but it's no, it's no secret that Gardner can not certainly wants to and can perform in midfield, is it? it there's obviously been a clamour for it. You mentioned a couple of games last season. Obviously, I didn't see those, but um, it was interesting from my perspective, selfishly, I must say, seeing him there. Saw him at Derby in the Cup this season, but that's, it's hard to count that, given it was a second-string side. But to see him <sighs> dictate the game, but to see how well he fared, technically, with the ball and without the ball physically, was... Highly impressive, I have to say. Obviously, touch wood. Tonight goes well for him, uh, which obviously we're, we're avoiding. But um, he was brilliant in Berkshire. Really good. Outstanding goal. A brilliant assist. All-round game. I gave him a nine in my player ratings, which is... Um, I don't do too often. Well, I try not to do too often. Certainly haven't had the chance to do so often this season. Um, I thought I thought he was excellent. And I hope... You know, if, if you'd have asked, can he be one of the central midfield two? I packed him in a three, but two's a bigger ask with with Livermore. Uh, but he was exceptional. I hope he does well tonight, and I hope he can hold down the place. Obviously, that's also dependent on who comes into the hot seat. But if that manager was watching on, which he would have thought, they would have been on, on Saturday at Reading. They'd have been mightily impressed with him, and he's certainly staked to play a strong 
Yeah, just in terms of that midfield now, you know, we were looking at it last year and it was it was really threadbare, but if you look at it on paper, you've got Livermore, Malumbi, Rogic, Swift, Taylor Garner, Ekman, Yukushlu, all in the mix in there now. It looks pretty good. And a manager, you know, we'll come on to the managerial search in, in a little while, but if you're a, a prospective Albion manager out there, you've got to be not... Yeah, rubbing your hands looking at that midfield, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone's going to get it's a clean slate when a new manager it's, comes yeah, in, it's, it's really interesting. I was yesterday for... Um, so Monday for Tuesday's newspaper, I was trying to pick my 11 and four-match squad for the Bristol City game tonight. And uh, it's a challenge, really. You're thinking about... Yeah, I mean, surely they're going to stick with this 3-4-3 this, this three, three is now. But a clean sheet in a nil-nil in Bruce's last game and, yeah. and that big away win. Um, they've got to stick with it, I think. I mean, I'd be sticking with the same 11 personally, but you, know, you wonder, can Jake even more go Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, things like that. But then you look at Yakuzlu, Malumbi on the bench. You mentioned Swift and, and Rogic. I mean, Swift, you know, staying on the bench as an unused sub at his former club on Saturday. It's got points prove It was most interesting, yeah. And Rogic left, left behind, didn't even travel. Now, he gets a bit more nuanced, I think, with the midfield and probably deeper than what you're asking. Now, I do agree, any manager looking on will see a, not so much an embarrassment of riches, that's probably the wrong phrase, but um, a depth of quality in midfield and options, hopefully touch with no injuries to come. Um, but I mentioned nuance. In Swift and Rogic, you've got midfield players of a certain mould and type, haven't you? And I mentioned Gordon Hickman playing in the midfield too just a bit ago. Do Swift or Rogic play in the central midfield too? I can't see that. They're, they're attacking midfield sort of number 10 players aren't they more luxury creative players you so it raises an interesting question while this hopefully this 3-4-3 remains successful at least for the time being where do you get Swift in where do you get Rogic in remains to be seen um, but yeah it's not nice, nice options to have for the new manager or for Richard Bill for now um, hopefully Albin have kind of stumbled on a system that works but it's just interesting, given the fanfare around Swift, even the fanfare around Rogic, who understandably is nowhere near up to speed, mostly physically, but... It, Swift has got to really come in and stamp his mark on it, hasn't it? After losing his place, after falling out of the side, and now the side doing well for a couple of performances, he's got to come in and really, really earn it, win it back. Um, but it does bring a little interesting sort of tactical issue, problem, yeah, nice problem for the new manager to come in and decide how he's going to go, really, with what he has. Yeah, uh, just a word on Cleary, you know, fans have been clamouring for him to be part of it. It wasn't surprising to see him come on, given, you know, Beal knows all about him. Um, what did you make of his display and can you see him now becoming a permanent first-team squad fixture? Yeah, I'd like to see that. I'm not sure it's it's going to happen in terms of permanently in the match day squad every game. Um, he did well when he came on, didn't Unfortunately for him, getting any goal-scoring positions, didn't have any chances per se, but really linked well, I noticed, really put himself about, which is kind of when you've got a youngster coming on for their, their debut, obviously their league debut. It's all you want to see, just running themselves into the ground, putting themselves about, disturbing experienced pros. On a couple of occasions, he looked quick, he looked his direct self over on that left side because he came on with Grant, didn't he? Who, obviously took Thomas Asante's place down the middle um, and by the way I saw Cleary on the left in that hat-trick game for the for the 21s last week which was quite something um, so he's, he's, he's very capable there and he, he had a couple of really lively runs and so worked his, his behind off and 
I just like that. Certainly while Beale's in charge for however long that may be, I'd like to see it continue. And I'd, obviously, fans will know by the time they listen to this, but I'd love to see him get on at the Hawthorns tonight. He did earlier in the season in the, the Cup, didn't he? But that was particularly empty. It's going to be a great night under the lights tonight. We hope and it'd be great if he can get on. And I'd like to see it moving forward. And make no mistake, whoever comes in will be very clued up about Reyes Clear and will know the potential talent that the club have certainly in a forward striking position on their hands because they not that they're few and far between but they're worth their weight in gold if they come off aren't yeah. they these um, these these youngsters that really look at this point a level above a talent above hopefully you know hopefully we're seeing the real early stages in his senior Albion career yeah um, Alex Palmer's another one you know he's come in yeah. he's done well Steve Bruce brought him in but is Steve Bruce going to be kicking himself that you know I saw a tweet before um, from another journalist who said if Steve Bruce would have maybe switched the goalkeepers earlier he might still be in a job you know without yeah. being detrimental to David Button you know because we're all human beings but is that is there a case for that because Palmer was exceptional at Reading yeah um, Palmer's barely not put a foot wrong so far as he's he's been solid it's like two back to back clean sheets he looked good at Preston when he came in even though that ended in defeat wasn't it Preston yeah um, oh the music's just come on yeah there you go hopefully you can still hear us this is a <laughs> this is an actual a bit of something we haven't done it tonight so just listening hard give, give, you, given the fact we're still the only two yeah. sitting in the Hawthorns yeah yeah I don't, us two. I don't know who the music's for <laughs> but yeah Listen, listen, listen in hard. We'll speak um, louder. Yeah, Palmer, I think he's been excellent so far. Wasn't the busiest at Reading until Albion went 2 0 and then had to make five or six key saves, some of them very good saves. If it wasn't for his late sort of intervention in that game, he had it. Albion might not have won it. It could have been another late disaster there. So I'm, I'm chuffed for him, really. And uh, he's an interesting case study, isn't he, really? What, 26, I think. An academy product who hasn't really broken through until now at 26. You, all right, I, I take he's a, he's a keeper in a bit of a specialised position, but uh, really interesting, and I, I'm glad for him. And I mean, I am surprised he didn't come in a bit earlier in the league. I have to say, uh, I think that's a call Steve Bruce probably could have made. I don't think David Button was terrible. You know, was bad or terrible in in every game really, but he he, he made a few key errors. Um, perhaps Palmer not being brought in said a lot of what Bruce thought about Palmer as well perhaps he thought he wasn't ready and he had a and he's done a lot of loans but the season's in League One but but he's grasped his chance hadn't he but had to come outside when he did it at Preston wasn't it he had to come outside and Palmer really had to take his chance and he has been chuffed for him because we saw in the post-game scenes at, at Reading I mean he's sort of cheering with the fans local boy how much it means to him and uh Fans love that, don't they? That's, yeah. uh, I think there's a lot of, a lot of goodwill, well wishes for Palmer. Yeah, this music is trash, by the way. It's it's the same as playing Sweet Caroline before kickoff. At least play some good tunes. Anyway, I hope you can still hear us. Um, I'm just going to come on to a few of the off-field issues at the moment. We'll talk about the management, but we'll also talk about the ownership situation. And I know there's been a lot of pressure on Gouch and Life for the last couple of years now. And just in terms of um, what service in the last few days really it was Sunday um, when I first started to sort of notice it Saturday Sunday where there was an article that appeared in the Daily Mail um, about S4A the Supports Association here owner percentage of the football club uh, to ask questions about um, a possible new company that will be set up in the Channel Islands in Jersey um, 
According to the Daily Mail, Albion weren't forthcoming about that, and this so-called company had been told not to say anything. Um, by Sunday, we did. Well, people were saying that the club was had been sold. Um, which was very surprising to wake up to on Sunday. I mean, a lot of speculation. A lot of speculation, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, just in terms of what is sort of known at the moment, I know there were some, some rumours on sort of earlier in the week, I know we're only Tuesday now, but saying that a new company had been set up in Jersey um, called the Fairway Trust. Now, I've got a little bit of knowledge on this. I used to work in Jersey as a journalist. Ex-resident. Um, so I did a little bit of digging uh, in the last couple of days and sort of through knowing companies out there, the company, the Fairway Trust, has been set up a long, long time ago. So it's not the case that it's a new company that Albion are owning now. Um, whether there's another company, I'm not so sure. But that, the company that I've heard being talked about is not the actual company. They sort of are sort of a financial management company. Um, so whether Albion have got a a account with them or something with them is is that's what it is. It won't. It, there isn't a company called the Fairway Trust which Albion has set up. It was already there. But just in terms of everything that's been going on, Lewis, uh, this is something that I'm guessing everyone's going to be digging into, but what's the situation as we know it? We know the club are always pretty tight-lipped on this, and I'm guessing they haven't come out and said anything on the back of these. No, no, no. no. I mean, obviously, the, the, the bottom line is it's something we look forward to being, being able to you know, hopefully, ideally speak about and, and certainly ask some questions when we get the chance with the people that make the decisions. For example, the chief executive. Um, that, that would be good. I mean, we can't put really a time frame on that, but the chances are that could happen when a new manager is appointed. Um, obviously, we'll be speaking about the new man in charge, but there's so much to go beyond that, isn't there, regards um, ownership, board, football roles. So. Do you think on the back of that, though, it's just in terms of an opinion, that the club, you know, it's appeared in the national press and we're not saying whether it's right or wrong. But obviously, um, supporters are concerned, the S4A are concerned. Um, is it a case that the club have got to come out? You know, we look at the two issues at the moment off the field. One is the management. There isn't any. Obviously, there's an interim team. And one is the ownership. The ownership issue, if these things are, if there is some, if there is some, um, if there is some truth in this, which I'm not saying there is at all, but there's obviously some concern, that's a bigger issue than appointing a manager, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously that story was about transparency, wasn't it? And of course. Shareholders being told things and things and, and all of that. So that is what we want and that is what fans and shareholders want isn't it to have the, the full picture the clear picture and not be misled to the wrong word not not being kept in the dark about things we don't know if this issue is big or not or important or not it could be something of nothing couldn't it but fans don't want to feel shareholders don't want to feel like they're not being kept yeah. in the loop basically and, and that comes back to transparency doesn't it and and hopefully people that need to get answers there. We, we look forward to being able to ask questions about those things. And yeah, it was an interesting report, wasn't it? Yeah, um, and I just go back to when the news come out about the loan, about the loan in after the accounts were published earlier this year. Yes, all right, all of us were absolutely fuming with the fact that £5 million had been taken out and put into another one of gangsterized companies, which, we, fingers crossed, will be paid back. But he came out with a statement after, as soon as them accounts came out and it sort of explained it, all right, we didn't like the answers, but some, surely something like that just quells the worry among fans because we've already heard about fans being concerned about maybe the, sell, the stadium could be sold off and we've heard the asset community value stuff which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago on the Baggies broadcast but it is all that isn't it it's just transparency and, and, and knowing because and, that is a you know 
future of the football club ownership wise yeah. is probably a far bigger issue than who, who stands in the dugout in two weeks' time. No, of course. Uh, we touched on um, how that report emerged Saturday in, in the national press, as you say, and then following day there's all sorts of talk online about takeover sale, all of this. Again, speculation. People can read into it as much as they want or as little as they want. We often see Chinese whispers gather pace. And the, the thing is, it's, it's probably not good or helpful to anyone. All anyone wants, ourselves included in the press, obviously. And it's you know, we, we work obviously hard to try and find out what is reportable truth and what isn't. All supporters want is to know that the club's in, you know, the club's not in peril or danger. They just want security, don't they? And obviously, it's a testing time off the pitch in that regard. But um, yeah, when when the speculation things get misled, misquoted online, especially, it's. Uh, it can be disconcerting, can't it? And I, I get that. And um, of course, we always try and bring accurate, truthful reports. So we have to be careful how we relay and translate those. But I understand every bit of concern from fans when it comes to these issues, because, like you said, they're so far beyond and more important than than the than is in the dugout. Really, I mean, of course, who's in the dugout is important because I don't want to be in League One, but they want to do my club and that means the off-field stuff has to be right. Yeah, no, absolutely. That brings me on to the managerial situation. Uh, we've heard names, you know, we've heard a lot, a lot, a lot of names. Liam Richardson, yeah. Rob Edwards, Stephen Schumacher, Sean Dyche, who we're led to believe was in the crowd at Reading on, on Saturday. Lewis, just as an overall, before we start talking about specifics, is there any latest time frame when we might see a new I mean, It'd be, lo it'd be lovely to have a time frame, Johnny, to be honest, um, as opposed to feel like you're chasing the tail every second of every uh, every day. Um, from what I sort of glean and gather, uh, I, I hasten to say progress, but I know, I know things have happened in regards to talks. Um, I hope to bring a report imminently soon, sooner in the week, um, from what I've gathered regards an interview or possibly more. Now, from, from what I understand, that wasn't necessarily recent. So those interviews, from what I've been told, could well have happened now we still don't have a manager. So that's not to say that they were yeah. successful or unsuccessful. There's a lot of moving parts in this situation. Um, some names, yeah, some names I think fit the bill. Some names uh, don't so much fit the bill. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. names sort of uh, over the weekend, Albion had reportedly made contact with Plymouth over Stephen Schumacher. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I, I didn't read that full report behind that paywall, but obviously saw all the you know, saw the headlines and, and so on. And yeah, he's an interesting name, actually. He fits and that young, up and coming yeah, bill. He fits he? the bill. Yeah. Now, obviously, we can have a conversation until we're blue in the face about how he's not. You know how, how he hasn't achieved necessarily achieved much yet in his managerial career. I can't remember off the top of my head how long he's been at Plymouth, but he's got them first in League One, etc. Mightily impressive. People I speak to, um, contacts in the game. I saw one of them said to me the other day they think Stephen Schumacher can go right to the top and manage in the in the top flight. So I'm hearing very impressive things, but that that's not to say if he came in here in the next couple of days to, to Albion, there'll be fans thinking, well. I hoped of someone with a bit more behind them. So I understand that. But I've, and, and other names, interestingly, are... We all know about the, the names who are out of work. You're, you're Carlos Corbran. And, um, there are others, aren't there? Chris Wilder, obviously, Dyche. Rob Edwards. But, uh, yeah, Rob Edwards, of course. But, but those ones in work also do fit the profile. And from what I'm gathering, I've been having in just a, a wider 
interest and appreciation into the job some of these guys are doing. I know Richardson's one of those. Now, Gary Rowett's been mentioned and mentioned and dismissed and then mentioned again, hasn't he? I'm, I'm not so sure about him. Um, there are others in this league I know about. Um, again, hopefully we'll be able to bring you news of that in, in the coming days. But there is definitely, from what I'm gathering, a, a profile of a, a younger manager who can really come in and work and build something out at Albion. And I know that's cliche, I, I take your point, I know it's been tried before and didn't work, but that's the information I'm with, we're getting on that. Um, so it will be interesting, and I'm not for a second saying it won't be a manager who's currently out of work, because, again, hearing things there regards certain managers who, who are currently employed. So, so watch this space. I don't have that time frame, and that's something we're working to hopefully be able to ask and find out. But what we were told initially is that I'll be in quite a ease on that front. That, again, this is an obvious thing for Albion to sort of come out with, but that they're happy with caretaker team, they feel confident in them looking after it for now and the scale of the appointment, the importance of it, given how things have gone. At least they're not rushing into it, I think. I mean, nobody more than me wants a manager to be appointed tomorrow for the ease of my job working life. But um, I do appreciate the trying to take the time to be thorough, which is, you know, what, what I have heard. Yeah. Just to say, there's a few people at the Hawthorns, they must have just opened the gates and they're sitting in their seats are good. One hour, one hour and 15 for kickoff. That is, that is total commitment. I certainly wouldn't be sitting there myself if I was a fan. They're waiting for us to bring them team news. Must be, must be, mate. Uh, just in the bed, Schumacher's come down to 30 to 8 as we record this. Or as you hopefully you can still hear us because the music's pretty loud at the moment. <laughs> um, 30, 30 to 8, Dice 3 to 1, uh, Rowett 4 to 1, but we think he's all but ruled out. Corbran, uh, Wilder, Richardson after that. Um, Lewis, we've spoken about the off field issues in terms of ownership. Does that impact the managerial search? Does someone like a Sean Dyche look at it and go, you know what, do I do I want that at the moment? You know, we got mm. loads of you know loud talk about we don't have a technical director and, and the back, yeah, having yeah. the back the, the, the structure in place. Does that impact the appointment? Yeah, Matt, I mean you mentioned Dyche there, and again to this to this day and minute. Is, is Dyche interested? Are, I'm sure Halvin would be keen to appoint Steve Dyche, but is Dyche interested? Sean Dyche. Yeah, Sean Dyche, Stephen Schumer. Steve, Steve Dyche. Dyche. Oh, I've never Steve. heard of him. No, no, no. I don't know where he's Too Dyche. many names in yeah. this. Uh, um, Sean Dyche, yeah. I should know. He's on match today for about 10 years, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah. No, everything we've heard about Sean Dyche is that he's eyeing high up in the pyramid. Now that's whether he was at the Medellin Stadium or, or not on Saturday. Managers like to go and watch football if they're out of work, don't they? Um, with regards to him and the ownership, it's an interesting point because, uh, because he strikes me as someone who wouldn't want to walk into something that's up in the air, that's not, things aren't set. Is, is he the one that's going to come and build everything together and sort everything out in that regard? I'm not sure. He might look at it as being unsettled. Oh, the tunes are getting worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, but I think I said it maybe a couple of pods ago. There are a lot of managers, I was going to say in the reckoning, but who have been mentioned, I think, in connection to this job, who the club have a, an interest in or manage to have an interest in the club that, that would, I still believe, jump 
and a chance to manage here, really. And you mentioned about how good Albion looked at Reading um, the other day, and that actually the squad does have a bit of depth when people are fit. You know, a couple of injuries are coming back, and that will appeal, won't it? Because still some of the some good good players for this level. Uh, I take your point about concern about the ownership. I, I, I get that, and I I buy it to a point. I think it's it. When interviews, when talks take place, I think it's I think it's asked, I think it's mentioned, isn't it? What what what's going on here? What's is the club going to be sold in the next X amount of months or years? Um, who's calling the shots? Who do I deal with? All of this. So I think it does play a part, but I don't think, in terms of the candidates we're talking about and considering, I I, I don't think it puts them off totally. I just think. It's that clarity, you know, they want that clarity and they want that. They want to know that they're walking into something that's basically not woodenless and it's got a direction. And the technical director point is a great one. We look forward to getting answers on that. We know that it's not something that can happen in a click of a fingers overnight. Obviously, you know, head coach, technical director, manager, technical director, that's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Someone that, you know, what is one of the requirements when they come in that, you know, the, the long-term aim is the technical director there to help make decisions, all of that. So yeah, a lot, a lot of things to talk through, I think, when it comes to those those um, those talks and the dialogue between would-be managers. Yeah, certainly. Um, Albion won Saturday. You know, they win tonight. They win at Millwall. Does Richard Beale come into contention? He's currently 16 to one with the bookies. Um, is that is that? I said to you earlier today that that could be an, an easy appointment for Albion. If they get a bit of form, does his does his name come into the record? He's got more chance than Steve Dyche, whoever he is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I I mean I don't I, I don't want to say that he's got no chance because if he wins all of his caretaker games and merits it and wants it himself, but the, really the feel and vibe we're getting from him is not really and that's I don't want that to sound like a lack of ambition but that's not what we're sort of hearing I mean he's very passionate about the career he's had and the work he does regards young coaching and development um, yeah, I think coaching and managing sorry at a senior level for obvious reasons is not for everyone I mean it, you know who'd be a manager really um, so again I mean he He's been great with us so far, and he's led out into a great win on you know, his first game in caretaker charge. If he keeps wrapping up those two 0 wins or those victories, then who would, yeah, who, who in the stands tonight would want to say no or turn it down? But right, that rests with him, and I, I can't, I can't see him sort of you know, putting his sort of CV towards Rongole or anything like that. Um, no, I, I can't. I can't see that. But at least is a and, and the, the caretaker team of Gary Walsh, Chris Brunt, James Morrison, very a very good, safe, reliable and pair of hands who are thankfully running it very well as we speak. Yeah. Right. Time for an advert. I'm gonna I'm gonna blast through the the oh the music's just died down a little bit. Um, time for an advert. As we always say, very kindly sponsored by the Captain Toaster Man. And this week we're talking about oil-filled radiators. Coxie looks as excited as I am. <laughs> you can get a brand new Black & Decker oil-filled radiator at the Kettle & Toaster Man for just £30. Rapidly heats your room or your office. Five fins 
with extra wide feet for extra stability. I know all this on the top of my head. I'm not actually reading it off my computer screen, I promise. Um, a tip over switch and overheat protection provides peace of mind. So head over to the Kettletoaster Man at Cody or head into the store at Thorns Road on Briley Hill. First man ever to read out about oil filled radiators live from the Hawthorns. Uh, right, we're going to wrap for your questions because it's we're approaching team news time in for Bristol and we're going to get back in. for uh, Boilerman to appear. Yes, Boilerman is. He heard that, he wants one of them. Um, just going to pick out for this question from Matthew Botfield. Um, he's asked about style under Bruce, but he's just going to say, do you think a good run of form would encourage more managers to take the vacant position? So I suppose the longer Beal's in charge and Albion keep winning, will that attract? Yeah, uh, good question. Bigger names, good more point. names, bigger names? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean... No, I'm not, not going to say uh, attract Mauricio Pochettino like our friends across uh, well, the, the, the West Midlands. Are, he's not doing anything yeah. at the moment, is he? Poch? Um, no, if Albion were 12, 11, 10, 9, after a few more games, of course they're a more attractive potential. Of course they are. And, and look, I know we're a few games in now and the, the table's a, a little less compact than it was, but a lot can still change with a couple of wins, can't it? And the picture does slightly change. When I were in the bottom three, I never really feared or anything about concerns about being in the drop zone because of what was here. But right, if the caretaker team really works something good here and build up a few wins in a row, a handful of wins, then the picture's going to change when it comes to the table. And, uh, and it, it probably does change those conversations when when the new man comes in. I think regardless of where Albion are when the new man or men are interviewed for the for the final interview process or whatever, the aim is you have to kind of get us in the playoffs this season. It has to be, doesn't it? You know, given everything about power. But then if you don't get Albion in the playoffs from now, you're not gonna your job's not gonna be no, on the course. line. Of course, of course. And uh, Albion missed out on go, a point. Yeah, go back go back to earlier about how they want someone on the way up who can build everything together and all right, everyone's going to be frustrated and disappointed if it doesn't happen this season, but not to rip it up all again and for us to be in this situation again next summer, looking for the next one, because I don't think it helps anyone, really. Um, so someone who, yeah, you're right, if it, if it doesn't, we expect this, we expect six or higher, but if it doesn't happen, all right, go again and get us there next time. But, yeah, obviously the point is, it's absolutely monumental this season. Um, and yeah, hopefully a couple more wins makes it a bit more attractive. Uh, Richard Downing, loads of speculation with regards to the manager search. If you had a spare tenner right now, who would you put your money on? If I had a tenner for the next manager? Yeah. Oh, throwing me on the spot there. Corbyn. It's not Steve Dyche. Steve Dyche. <laughs> <laughs> he's gone Corbyn. I'm going to go Rob Edwards. I'm going to go a little bit yeah. out of the box, even though he's slipped in the bed. Um, Simon, at Brutally Average is his name on Twitter. In light on the revelations by Elias Burke, um, in his article in The Athletic, are you playing concerns over training sessions, attention to detail, perceived lack of perception by coaching staff? Do you think Bruce was trying his best? Now, that's the, the article that our, uh, our colleague Al wrote about um, Eric Peters being Bruce's neighbour. Um, I think he was trying his best. I just think he was... Yeah, yeah. Football had almost passed Bruce by a little bit. And I was on the golf course the other day where I saw an Albion fan had shared an article about the, when Bruce left Sunderland in 2011 that a, a, a reporter for The Guardian had written saying uh, football's passed Bruce by. And it was almost like that had Ten been written. That, yeah, that is almost like someone had looked into the future and plucked Albion. Obviously, it was Sunderland at the time, but he was trying his... But you can't, you can't knock him for not trying oh, yeah, his best. It's just manage, management has probably moved on now. Yeah, Bruce had a big team of staff, didn't he? Big, like, you know, coaches, obviously, he's had Alex, like, 
the impression, the vibe I got is he didn't do a lot of the, uh, I think that's been documented, hasn't it, the day-to-day -day coaching stuff. So how much direct involvement did he have really when it comes to the players? It didn't surprise me to read that, the, the stuff there necessarily about the, you know, what's obviously come from any players' quarters. That didn't necessarily surprise me. Um, wouldn't like to comment much more because I, I haven't heard that myself. Um, but look, yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, obviously it was it wasn't working for for the previous manager here on the pitch. Clearly, not everything was bang on off it in the training ground. Um, but I don't think it was all. I, I, don't, I don't get the impression it was all up in the air or lackadaisical all over the place. Just confidence low, no momentum, no form. You know, and that downward spiral from the pretty much the opening day, wasn't it? Really. Yeah. Uh, Jack Griffiths, not question. I asked a few weeks ago about the academy and shall we close it? Since then, all the academy graduates are coming through. I just put a tiny question. How's Alan Massey? Uh, he's all right. He's doing really well. We had his leaving do a couple of weeks. Well, he did have his leaving do, and he got spotted by an Albion fan in a pub in Birmingham. Uh, he thought he was a celebrity. Uh, but yeah, he's doing all right. Two more questions. Uh, ben Walters, was the sack of the Steve Bruce the decision of Ron Gawley, or was there pressure from above? If it was, an instruction from above. Does that explain why there seems a lack of clear contender target for the role? Now, on that last bit of the question, I would say I don't think it's a bad thing that no one was lined up because we've got safe pairs of hands at the moment at the helm and it gives Albion the chance to maybe take their time with this, yeah. which in the past they haven't been able to. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't... I don't or, they or they've chosen not to. I don't know for definite that it was the chief exec's call for the manager. I've heard varying reports I've heard otherwise above above him now I wouldn't like to go on record and say that's what I definitely believe because again otherwise I would I would report it um, but it'd be interesting to know really and yeah because obviously we've had we had those podcasts and talks didn't we about whether obviously we know the chief exec and Steve Bruce yeah. go back have a relationship and some rightly wrongly thought that's why the manager had been given it, an extended stay or whatever. Um, yeah, so as I say, I, I've heard, heard varying reports, one or two takes on this. Um, I could see, I could see both being true, really. But I think that the board have got to be aligned, haven't they? We joke about they're not actually being a board, or you know, not, not uh, a small, a small board or whatever. But the decision makers have got to be on the same page for anything anything to be remotely successful. Yeah. Tunes again, there it is. Sam Fender's just come on. Uh, the, the, the proper DJ must have turned up. Now. Final question uh, from Anders Gro Grotte. Sorry if I've pronounced that wrong. Anders. Um, do you see Beal moving into the first team setup under the new boss? Some managers could see a successful interim coach as a threat. I think a manager who makes use of Rich's qualities speaks of a confident professional who prioritises the club's well-being above his own ego. We've just got team news at the moment. We just ran over a little bit. What's the team news? Changes? No, unchanged. Unchanged. Just look. Yeah, which um, and Carl and Grant has dropped off the bench as far as I can see. For oh, there you Rogic, go. As you have it. Would say that's exclusive, but you won't be hearing this podcast for another half an hour anyway. So Reyes clearly on the bench over Grant. Um, interesting, interesting. Yes, so sorry, mate. You might have to uh, answer that question yourself. I'll answer that or, question yourself. Yeah, I think you... it would be good to see Beale in the first team set. Whether it'll happen, I don't know. I think that would be a detriment to the academy. Um, taking Beale away from um, his role, oh, it's his role at the moment, with the, the first team. But it'll be interesting to see how it works. So, you know, personally, uh, we've had to, we had this question earlier. I wouldn't be adverse to giving Beale a job, to be honest. I know it's down to whether he wants it, but it, 
it would be a safe pair. Ads knows the club has seen what's been going on. Seems to be leaning very much on people like James Morrison. I think James Morrison had quite a bit of say at Reading, from what I can believe. Um, Chris Brunt's in there as well. Gary Walsh, an experienced footballing head. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. I, I, I'd be against him probably moving into that first team setup because of the job that he's doing with uh, the under 21s and the, the academy graduates. Um, but it'd be interesting to see. Good questions. And thanks very much for your questions, Baggies fans. We're going to wrap it up there. Just to add, um, Carlin Carl Grant's ill. Carlin uh, Grant's ill. We're told. So. Uh, yeah, just a well. The storm on that yeah. fans will have heard a day, be, uh, you know, a day before. But, there you um, go. Inside info from uh, from Coxie there on the scene. Uh, Baggies fans, thanks very much. We're going to wrap it up there. It's a shorter episode than usual, but we have got um, a guest episode to record on Thursday. That's why we're recording tonight. So that'll be coming to you in the World Cup break. Uh, we've got one more to record. Well, one or two more to record. We'll see how it goes. But um, so we've got no Bristol talk tonight. Apologise. If um, you've had to listen in quite hard with the, the, the music for the last sort of 15, <laughs> 20 minutes. Um, but thanks again for listening. Anyway, you know, it's the ownership of the managerial issues is why we, we've recorded this podcast so sort of hastily tonight. Uh, but the ownership and the managerial issues, the problems, have never really sat by side more than they ever have um, in recent years at the Hawthorns. And we'll hopefully bring you answers on both counts in the coming weeks. Um, and hopefully they'll be resolved as soon as I can. I'll be you keep winning. Build on that tonight. Um, and climb back up the table. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for your questions. And until next time, goodbye.